Welcome to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. Welcome to another wonderful episode of The Cultured Podcast. As always, I am Michelle Corey. That was a test to see if you remembered my name. (laughs) Today, we have a really special guest. It's someone who always manages to flip my perspective on its head and fascinate me with a whole new way of looking at things. We have Corelle Levy on the show today, and she is a knitwear aficionado, an expert in knitwear design and textile art. And her brand... Krellwear is really fascinating. She has a knitwear company that is based in Miami and exudes the tropical, sexy, sunny Miami lifestyle. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about how it is she took something that, you know, conjures images of, you know, Christmas sweaters, scarves and hats and turned it into a lifestyle brand in one of the hottest cities in the world. But before that, we're going to talk a little bit about my inspiration for the week. This is a personal one, folks, because the inspiration for the week is resilience. And that is inspired by my hometown and Carell's hometown, which is Miami. I have a very close family friend who has been battling cancer for years down there. And I visited her while I was in studio with Corel. And while we have her here on Skype today, it was an amazing experience to see Corel at work, but also to spend time with this family friend. And Miami itself is a city of immigrants and people who uproot their lives to go to a completely new country with a new language oftentimes, totally new cultural customs, and that takes a tremendous amount of resilience. And so this episode is my ode to all of those people who uproot themselves uh, in search of a better life and in search of a dream, whatever their dream and vision might be. And I don't want them to go unnoticed in a world that's made up of, especially nowadays, uh, moving from one country or continent to the next and uh, bringing a little bit of yourself and your own culture to that place. So big ups to everyone who is making it day in and day out, who is resolving to have a better life and surviving. Uh, You guys don't go unnoticed. So a little love for you today. Speaking of resilience, here is the person that I now call the G of knitwear because of her resilience in design. So first and foremost, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your brand. My name is Corel Levy. Uh, my brand is called Krellwear, also known as Krell. I'm also known as Krell. So it gets confusing sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm a knitwear designer and textile artist. And I really love to knit colorful and things that you can wear in Miami. Which obviously knit kind of summons these ideas of like 
fall nights and like chilly weather. So, you know, I always find it really interesting that you have a knitwear line in Miami and that it is like, you know, form fitting and hip hugging and very sexy. It's very Miami line. So, you know, tell us a little bit about how you came to bring knitwear to Miami. I was born in Paris and I was raised in Miami. I came here when I was six years old. So I kind of didn't have a choice whether to be in Miami or not (laughs) in the beginning. Um, And when I grew up here, I always kind of felt like I was pretty different from most of the people that I was surrounded with. How so? I used to go to, I mean, my family went to Europe all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was really rare that people around me went to Europe every year. Right. And I went to Europe because my parents are from there. You know, our family is from there. So going to see the family for Christmas, we went to Paris. But it was like in the suburbs of Paris and hanging out in my aunt and uncle's house or my grandmother's apartment. It wasn't like, ooh, you're going to Paris. It's like, no, it's actually like much longer trip than going to like, let's say your grandma's house in Kansas City. (laughs) It's the same thing to me as a kid. It just was like a little bit more exotic to most people but I grew up with um, a lot of art and a lot of fashion knowledge like my parents were really into the arts and my mom was a needlepoint artist and she also did a lot of knitting for us when we lived in the cold so I kind of grew up with this one textiles weaving and knitting background and also just an arts background in general. And it's amazing. I mean, you went to the Rhode Island School of Design for knitting, right? I went there specifically for textile design. When I was in high school, my mom passed away when I was 16 years old. Mm. And I grew up with a weaving loom in the basement and then tons of wool yarn. She used to make these really huge scale needle points that are like big paintings. They're kind of like 80s style abstract paintings. And um, when she passed away, or rather when she was really ill with cancer, is when I started, it piqued my interest to start weaving and learning what this machine did. And she was too ill to show me. So I started taking courses at University of Miami. And they had like uh, continuing education classes. Mm -hmm. And weaving was one of them. So I started taking weaving courses in high school. And after school, like, I would take go down south. I grew up in North Miami Beach, like close to Hollandale. Me too. And I would drive at, at least a half an hour. You did? Yeah. I'm like, what high school did you go to? <laughs> I went. Oh, you see, I'm older than you, so I went to North Miami NMB. Beach in your yep. high school. <laughs> they were our big rivals with water polo. <laughs> well, we have water polo. Yeah. Anyways, I'm so not a, a sports person. <laughs> But I grew up going and taking weaving courses and it was super easy. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to study textiles when I go to school. Of course, like nobody in high school knows even what the meaning of textiles is. But um, I was fortunate enough that we had a really strong arts program. And this was at the time Dash had just started and so did uh, New World. So those were the newest Mm -hmm. schools that were more focused in the arts. And... um, I didn't know about Dash at the time, but I knew about New World and I knew I didn't want to do like a full immersed art program, but we had like a AP arts class. So I was pretty immersed for having a public school education in the arts. And lucky for me, because I was doing this weaving courses outside of high school, not only like 
I got credit for it, but also I was able to bring that into my art class. So I was nicknamed Grandma in high school. <laughs> Grandma Levy. <laughs> Grandma Levy. And so I knew going into RISD, I, they were uh, a school that started in textiles. So I really wanted to study textiles. And so I went to RISD. You know, I think what's so amazing to me about your story and very relevant to right now, especially in the U.S., is the importance of all of these different school programs that were offered in the arts in helping to form what's been a very successful, what, 12-year-plus career for you, right? You've had your business for how long now? Technically, 15 years. 15 years. And I graduated college 20 years ago. And I've been knitting since 96 on knitting Mm. machines. You need to get a tattoo that says that, knitting since 96. You obviously, you've said to me before, you have, what is it you say? You have yarn in the blood? Uh, I was born with yarn in my veins. There you go. Which sounds dangerous, but you've done a really good job at staying alive. Um, So congrats. Let's go back a little bit and let's talk about... Um, your time at RISD, because that's Mm -hmm. really where you came into yourself as a more of a performative textile artist, right? So tell us a little bit about how your vision around textile art first formed. Um, Well, at RISD, I was studying weaving, and then I took a, a knitting course. And it was like an elective course in the fashion department. And I was like, oh my God, there's like no setup time. This is amazing. Because with weaving, you have like a two to three day process mm-hmm. just to start, you know, it's like one day you, you figure out the warp, which is what you put on the machine. And then you, the next day you put it on the machine and then you organize every single thread. And then once everything is on there and all set up, then you can weave and it takes forever to do an inch, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas uh, knitting on the knitting machine, you basically feed it yarn and it just goes for it. Like you just go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had a dance background. I started dancing um, in schools at eight years old and that was a ballerina. And then at 16, um, I dropped ballet and uh, jazz and all those courses because I was the only one that really had no desire to go to like new world and become a professional ballerina. I already knew at 16 years old, I did not have the figure to be a ballerina in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And also I'm just not really good at remembering choreography. So So that was a big one. (laughs) So, you know, instead I started going out to nightclubs and, um, Doing, you know, going out was a really big part of my life. Mm -hmm. I also had a lot of freedom when I was 16 because my mom passed away. I had to take care of my brothers and my sister. And so because I had to do all the errands and the whatever, then I had the freedom to as well just do whatever I wanted as long as my grades were good. Mm, Wow. Um, And that's that's a lot to say in a city like Miami because there's a whole lot to get into there. (laughs) I mean, back in the day, in the early 90s, there was not that much. It was like three places to go to four Mm. places it wasn't that it wasn't as crazy as it is now so I mean like dance has always been an integral part of my life and also being my mom was in fashion as well so she had a boutique and I was kind of always surrounded by fashion and art and performing arts yeah and uh when I was getting into school and you know like I took a course of performance art course and that got me like a little bit more hyped was a costume designer. Hmm. Um, And so I started turning my textiles 
into wearable art. So even my last weaving that I did at RISD was a metal, plastic, and elastic corseted piece that was in the RISD catalog. And then 15 years later, was worn by Nicki Minaj in the fly video with Rihanna. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, my God. So. You're like the knitting industry's G. (laughs) I don't know about that. But, like, you know, I'm a little G. And then as well, because I was, like, in performance art and I was a raver and I was, like, into clubbing and the whatever. And Mm -hmm. my friends were part of, like, art clubs. And I was at RISD where it was just, like, a very creative place to be that even though they really didn't like the idea of being crafty, that it had to be designed and not craft. It was like this kind of real big challenge of how do you make your textiles into something that is usable? And then how do you make this usable thing into something really interesting? So my first pieces after that were these pieces that were like knitted tubes. And this continues into my artwork or into even my fashion um, philosophies now where everything that I make for the most part is a tube of fabric because every what you wear is a tube mm. the things your fat the fabric goes around your body they go around your arms go around your legs you know so once you add all the tubes together then you can make a sweater or you can make you know a dress or whatever and that was my theory but in the beginning it was full body socks that you could barely see the person inside and the dance movements would change the shape of the human figure. And so this is what I was experimenting with a lot. So the thing is about knitting is really interesting is that really it's just a technique of assembling yarn together. It's a structure. Uh, a knit is not a sweater. It's not necessarily wool. It's not necessarily what our vision is of your grandma's, you know, Christmas sweater. <laughs> That's not what knitwear is. That is just maybe the most popular idea of what knit is. Exactly. Um, but it's really just a structure. I knit things with glow-in-the-dark fibers and embroidery threads and metallic threads and multicolored cottons and polyester blends with rayons and tensils and linens and paper <laughs> yarn. And I like I like playing with materials. And, and color. I like Playing with color. Exactly. The last time Um, I was with you, I was in your studio and you were working on this amazing flamingo pink, like little romper that was tiny, mm -hmm. itty bitty. And it was so cute. And it was just that's what I like about talking to you. Every time I talk to you, something one of my perspectives has flipped on its head. And and one thing that I saw in one way gets completely transformed. So like you said, We may all think of a very specific thing when we think of knits, but looking at what you design completely expands the horizons of what knitting is and what knitwear can be and all of the options. And it it becomes more of an art form that way because it can Mm -hmm. be adapted to a multitude of uses and, and inspirations. And one of the magic things about it is that it's stretch- the structure is stretchy, so you can put it over any body type or body figure, and it, for the most part, will fit. Right. You might not like the way it fits, but it'll fit. <laughs> you know? Amen. And, and, and the thing is, it's like people don't realize that a t-shirt is knit. Yeah. Bathing suits are knit. Underwear is knit. Wow. So 
sweatshirts, leggings, all those fa- all those fabrics that we wear on a day to day basis are knits. Mm-hmm. They're just not what we think of when we think of knits. Totally. And obviously, we have to discuss this glow in the dark line because it is amazing. Like, I'm also obsessed with like black light and glow in the dark things. So I think I'm going to need to buy one of your pieces. But let's talk a little bit about how Miami's nightlife influenced this glow in the dark collection and about the beginnings of it. In 2008 and nine, pretty much like the economy fell and I used to have 43 boutiques carry the collection and I was doing wholesale and I was selling a lot and it was going great and the economy was great Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't and (laughs) and so um it was kind of this feeling of like wow you know I have all this fabric and I was also looking for that magical like metallic yarn that would be super soft so it happened it so happened that there was a sourcing show in miami and we met this guy that we nicknamed fondly mr sparkles (laughs) and mr sparkles showed us glow in the dark yarn and then from there we were like oh my god so what wait so who has a black light and let's close the doors and let's see what glows and then not only did we realize what glowed in the dark but we also glowed in uv and realizing that the things that glow in UV don't necessarily glow in the dark. Also, you're never really truly in the dark. Right. So there's always some sort of light pollution somewhere. It's very rare to find yourself in a pitch black room. So um, we find found this material and it became one of those like, oh, you know, we go clubbing. Oh, well, I go clubbing. <laughs> and and you know this is really fun and why don't we do kind of a statement about this i mean we're from miami might as well make it more about miami and make the nightlife part of our inspiration and instead of this idea of from day to night well i know people who would like go out all night and just sleep on the beach and then so it was more of a night to day thing and like Having this kind of idea of like, you know, the walk of shame doesn't have to be that shameful or something. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And like one of the things about Miami, which is really, truly magical, is that people do wear a lot of color here and they are unapologetically sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, like you'll find a full figure woman wearing a very sexy piece that maybe most people wouldn't think is appropriate, but she is feeling it. Working it. it. That's really, for me, that's one of the most inspiring things I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I, I really enjoy when people, when women are like, you know, embracing themselves. I think that's mm-hmm. really important and it's really important for our society. I think it's really important for feminism and for our younger generations to see that because I don't think that you should be ashamed of yourself if you're a fuller-figured woman. Absolutely. Um, you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself in every any variation. Whatever shape you're in. Right. Yeah. I mean, as long as you take care of yourself, you're good. Exactly. Well, that's so fun. So you actually, well, first of all, Mr. Sparkles really lived up to his name. So props to Mr. Sparkles. Uh, (laughs) Second of all, I'm amazed one of you had a black light in that moment. (laughs) Well, no, I think I had my assistant bring it in. Oh, okay. I was like, like, that's pretty incredible. Such serendipity. Um, 
And then the other thing is you actually started after you created this collection, you started having fashion shows with this collection well, in a unique way. Yeah. So the first fashion show I presented was a 2009 swim week and it was a midnight show at the Hamam at the Standard Hotel. It was uh, not to be advertised um, because at the time or still at the time, Standard isn't supposed to have events past midnight because it's on an island that is a residential neighborhood and it really couldn't get out to press. It was basically an illegal party. So that just makes it sexier. <laughs> you know, so we had like a woman downstairs by the elevator checking people in and people were asked to basically just get down in their underwears or be in, in their um, bathing suits. Really? the show well it's hot that's because it's, it's a, a hammam <laughs> and a hammam for those of you who don't know is kind of like a sauna environment it's like very very heated up and it's meant to be for health purposes yeah so we cl- they, the hotel shut it down at 10 and started airing it out to try to get some of the heat out but it's not <laughs> supposed to you know what i mean it's not supposed to be cool and dry <laughs> right exactly so, but we had the girls in like stiletto heels walking around in the pebbled room, hammam, in glow in the dark, black light, neon oh outfits, God. and with black lights shining on them. So that was our first show for the Disclosure uh, collection. So, um, and then the second Disclosure show, because that one was like specifically rompers, hot shorts, boob tubes. So very swim inspired, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of things that look like swimwear. You could swim in them, but most people, when they're at a pool party, are not going swimming. Yeah, that's um, funny. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, this like not-so-swim-inspired collection. And then the second time I did it, I had the girls all dancing. And it was like a runway show with black lights as the regular light. And then it was smoke machines like nobody's business. They could see the girls coming out glowing and dancing like kind of stripperish in their stripper shoes and like neon tights and makeup and hair and craziness. And it was a good time. You I know? would like to remind our listeners we're talking about knitwear right now. OK, so if your <laughs> mind isn't expanding right now like mine is, then I don't know what else to do for you. <laughs> <laughs> like you got stripper shoes and this is knitwear. So just this is like why I love that we're having this this episode right now is because it's so fun. I mean, it shows you that there is no such thing as a boundary, right? It's like boundaries are just what we impose on ourselves. But totally. damn it, if I want to make a knit that is glow in the dark and pairs well with stripper shoes, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, you'll probably just call me. Right. No, I'm not <laughs> personally going to well. do it. <laughs> and um, But after that show, we just started getting asked to do it all over the place and started, um, instead of selling to boutiques, just started selling directly to public. And I have friends all over the world, so I started doing shows in um, shows all over the place and getting hired in nightclubs and getting hired as entertainment. It was fabulous. That's amazing. So, so real quick, what is one of the most difficult or one of the most challenging parts of working with knits? Huh. I think that a lot of people think that I could do pretty much anything. They're like, oh, you can do, you know, do some words. 
I work with like kind of like 1980s, kind of 1970s knitting machines that after using them for 20 years is like really hard on the back and they're kind of hard to work with. So it's all physical manual labor. So doing stuff that has like lettering or do like copying other people's design is not that easy. I've come up with my own techniques and I have my own look to my knitwear. So I try to keep true to that in within my own knitwear. Yeah. So, you know, just to wrap it up a little bit, where can people go to find Krellware? I have a website, so krellware.com. Um, I, I also have a store in Miami Ironside. So it's a little uh, design complex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. And I, oh my gosh, I got like lost in it on purpose the last time I was there. It's amazing. There's like so galleries, nice. restaurants, really beautiful. You wouldn't even think you were in Miami anymore. It's yeah. so cute. Nice. And you also Wednesdays have a special event. Oh, yes. Um, I'm the host of Stitch and Bitch in Miami. <laughs> and I'm the head bitch, obviously. And and I teach people how to knit, crochet, or make pom-poms. And if people want to come in and already have a project in mind or are already working on something, they're more than welcome to join us. Um, it's really cute. It's really fun. It's free to join. I bring all the materials. So all you have to do is bring yourself. This is not specifically for women, but it is a pretty ladies night driven kind of activity. So. <laughs> and this is at Broken Shaker. It's at the Broken Shaker at the Freehand. Freehand is the hostel that, it's, that the Broken Shaker is in. And so we meet up in the lobby once a month. The next one is September 13th. There's also a Facebook page called Stitch N, like the letter N, Miami.com. Couldn't do Stitch and Bitch because they don't let you. That's absurd. But okay, it's fine. hilarious. Whatever. So if you want to meet Corel and you want to get your hands on some cool projects and actually start putting to practice everything we talked about here, that's a perfect time to do that um, for our Miami folk or if you want to travel in to Miami at any point. Um, so that's really cool. Thank and you. And you can also, I'm part of the Airbnb experiences of Miami, so mm. you can reserve a two to three hour session to do a quickie couture for a hundred bucks through Airbnb experiences. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to do that next time I'm in town. Awesome. <laughs> Which is a lot, so... Thank you so much for being here. Uh, You have completely dazzled me. You're wonderful. So thank you. I want to thank Carell so much for being on the show today. She's just a fascinating individual. So I hope you feel as inspired as I feel uh, with just hearing the way that she looks at the world around her and the way that she creates beauty in her own very specific and unique way. And textile art is a very deep topic. There's a lot of history behind textiles, and almost every single culture in the world has a deep-rooted history and a very unique history with textiles. So if you wanted to learn a little bit more about textiles, it is your lucky day. I'm about to give you a little bit of knowledge, but only a snapshot. So... Basically, textiles have always been deeply connected with international trade. You think about the Silk Road, which was when Chinese silk went to all these different continents, including India, Europe, Africa. You know, in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, these sumptuous textiles became symbols of 
social class and status. And then even the Industrial Revolution in the U.S. uh, was driven by the mechanization of like the spinning jenny, the power loom, the cotton gin. And these were all centered around textiles. So let's take it a little bit beyond that. Textile itself, the etymology of the word, which means its roots, are in the Latin word texere, which means to weave, braid, or construct. Okay, so basically textile art is a general term that encompasses everything from fibers, uh, from sewing techniques, to tools, everything in between. So really, Textile art encompasses the methods, the materials, the tools, and the objects. It's a pretty overarching term. And now it's becoming, there's becoming a shift, right? In the last 100 years, we're starting to see textile art being a general term, but then there's almost like a fine art component to it. So one piece of textile art might be the rug that you have under your bed to, you know, shield your feet from cold floors, whereas a more fine art approach are like what we talked about with Corel, those tubular like performative pieces that she used to design at the Rhode Island School of Design. So there is a bit of a line there that is starting to fork off. And I think that applies to any artistic industry where, you know, the fine arts are starting to become more and more explored as technology advancements and advancements in artistic expression occur at the same time. But what I really like about textile art is the fact that there are four main uses. You know, first of all, to protect the human body. So we wear clothes to shield us from the rain or the snow or whatever in between. Um, Also to show social cues. But it also helps us store and uh, keep safe our possessions. It helps us decorate spaces. And so because of the versatility of this topic and the depth of this topic, I cannot wait to further explore smaller worlds within the greater textile world. So like one of my favorite forms of textile art are molas, which are South American, uh, how do I call them? They're like South American stitching uh, textiles where there's layers of fabric on top of one another. And then the stitching is just intricate and beautiful and they create these extraordinary designs. It's also an indigenous art form. So that'll be really cool to explore the history behind that because it's very deep rooted. So all this to say, I hope you learned a little bit about textile art, but there's a lot more to come as we dig at the roots of different topics within the world of textiles. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, thank you, Corel. Lots of love to you. And thank you guys for listening. And don't forget that you can go to culturedpodcast.com to check out the show notes for this episode to learn more about Corel, see some of those videos of her work, and explore exclusive content. And until next Sunday, remember to keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured. I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. David Markowitz is our executive producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to Cultured on culturedpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and anywhere podcasts are found. If you love what you're hearing, don't forget to rate and review the Cultured Podcast on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) 